Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of Quote and Quote with KK. We had taken a short break given our half yearly commitment to our own business and accounting and finance related issues. However, we are back and today we have a very interesting discussion on startups and to do that I have called in a very interesting personality who is a doyan in the Indian industry particularly the healthcare and pharma industry and has now been playing a leading role in startup as well i would like to introduce keval handa who is one of my advisory board member of my fund as well and has been in the indian industry and the governance on several boards in india just to give you a bit of a perspective keval is a indian business person who has been at the helm of nine different companies presently he occupies the position of ceo for the third eye creative films llp and has been participating in several positions in various industry bodies keval is also a member of the institute of company secretaries of india and has been on ciii bombay chamber of commerce and industry member of the institute of cost and works accountants of india in his past career he has been the non executive chairman of union bank of india and ceo and md of pfizer india as part of pfizer india where i happened to first work together with cable on his advisory board for 3 years i happened to know cable much more deeper and i can tell you that under his leadership pfizer not only successfully merged pfizer and wired together in india but became one of the top 10 pharma companies in india due to some of the initiatives and strategies that we implemented during his term he is always a go getter and always tried to change the rules of the game and disrupt the industry which is why pfizer india was the first mnc to even enter the branded generic space in india and he was one of the leaders that has built pfizer to where it is today keval is a qualified management accountant company secretary has a masters degree in commerce he has completed the pfizer leadership development program from harvard university and senior management development program from iim ahmedabad he has also done certificate courses on marketing strategy from columbia business school new york he was awarded the cfo of the year in 2004 for excellence in finance in an mnc by international market assessment group the bharat shiromani award in 2007 and the farmer leaders farmer professional of the year for 2010 keval is an astute businessman as well as a astute independent director he has gone through a journey which we would like to get his nuggets of wisdom and experience where many independent board members have failed or have failed to continue or have failed to contain the damage that some of these startups and their founders have inflicted on their companies as you know that very recently there was a trial by media for one of the unicorns which led to the exit of one of the founders and in the process there was a lot of mudslinging allegations and counter allegations and a lot of stories around the way the startup was managed both by the investors by the 
startup founders and the employees themselves were very concerned as to what the future of that unicorn would be i'm not taking names here but it's important that we learn from these experiences so that all the stakeholders who are part of the startup ecosystem learn from this therefore today's podcast has been aptly titled growth glamour greed graph governance now you know who i am referring to without taking names so welcome to our podcast quote and quote with kk keval and we got lot of issues and topics to discuss so let me start talking about growth and obviously growth is one of the most talked about topic in our startup circles so what's happening now growth is on a deceleration there is a fomo that india is in the autumn of pe growth stage investing is this the after effects of paytm and zomato ipo and some other high profile buyouts of unicorns at very lower valuation what's your thought here so first of all let me thank you all for getting me on this podcast it's a real pleasure to speaking to you i think a little bit of perception has changed dramatically after the ipos of some of these companies and there has been a reality check or maybe the investors have given shown them a mirror and now people are speaking different languages on the boards of the startups on even in unicorn boards and i understand one of the ipo is getting deferred because they want to balance their profitability and can come only they want to come only when they have a profits at the bottom so there are two things startups per se initially they need growth there is no doubt about it they need scaling they need investment for scaling and at that phase when it's simply about profitable growth sometimes it becomes difficult to absorb that both from the private equity point of view as well as from the promoters point of view because they want to scale initially and then only when the scale is there the valuation comes so initially i think it's it's fine as you go up but you need to keep an eye on how much cash you're burning every month how much cash you're burning every year whether you would be in the same phase over a longer period of time short period of time or a mid term period of time if that vision is very clear that thought process is very clear then i think these everybody is tuned to understanding that yes we were one cash for three years or for five that's fine but at the end of the three or five fifth year we need to be very clear where the hold so i think there is a real reality check now to answer your question yes most of the startups have started looking at the bottom line now and have looking at the cash burn and saying what needs to be done to make the business more profitable keval you've been on boards of some of the high profile unicorns as well and what we are seeing now is that some of the founders still are in that mode of a higher valuation and profitability can be traded off by giving a lifetime value of customer or some other metric to gain valuation which is not happening somewhere you are on the board uh, representing either the investor or an independent board member would actually have to coach and sit down with the founders to say look cash is king profitability path to profitability is important do they really listen to board members like you or they still want to go their way because most founders are dreamers and they think of ideas in the night and morning they want to take it forward so how do you control such situations when you are on such high profile growth stage unicorn companies so the first principle is you know never never kill the goose that lays the golden correct a lot of these promoters build up really scaled up an organization build up a value proposition suddenly if you start talking to them in a different language than what they are used to there would be a problem you have to okay some of them may require, some may require counseling also and some may require to 
set up a good governance system right in the process. But if somebody is used to a certain practice and the way a person has been doing a certain practice and suddenly you discover that this practice is wrong without putting the policies, the SOPs and processes in place and then you hang him up, it's not to my mind. You need to work with the promoter, work him to take the order. If the governance is drastically violated and there are, you know, stock governance violations, then there's an issue in spite of putting the process. Yes, this type of dialogues need to be happened. More from the independent directors, it has to happen from the investors. Because at the end of the day, the investors' thought process have to be aligned with the promoters. What does the investor want to work period of time? And therefore, I always say to the promoters, get the right type of investors, not the money, but right type of investor to align to your business. Very, very critical. Money can come, but some investors who put the money and want to dictate terms differently than your thought process, then there is. So choosing the right investor and the right partner or a venture partner becomes very very critical for any promoter to take his organization forward to fulfill his dream to see his vision comes true. Rightly put, Kevin, one quick corollary to this I wanted to know. Why do founders want more cash than they can handle on their growth age trajectory? Is it just because they feel that having more cash in the bank allows them some leeway and they can probably grow faster or is it just the comfort that having cash can tide them over some imminent failures which they have not even thought of or some pivots that they may need to do in future for which they need to create or keep a stash of cash and that comes at a cost to them in terms of the equity stake and the dilution and various other clauses that come attached to that investment. How do you see this trend now decelerating amongst the founders of startups? So very, very good question. In one of the companies, uh, we were one day a private investor to come in and then there was this question of the investor wanting to come with X percentage of shareholding. A very simple question I raise, are we talking about shareholding or are we talking of short-term and mid-term requirement? What plans do we have for the next three years for which we require? And suddenly I found that the discussion changed and the percentage, X percentage came down to Y. Now, the startup keeps cash, cash for many reasons. A, you are rightly said, the uncertainty around the businesses. It's too early a business. They don't know what's going to happen next. That's all. They want to have certain money in the bank to take care of these types of contingent. The second is the opportunity of inorganic growth. There are many opportunities that might come through on the way. That time it may be very difficult to raise cash and therefore if they want to grab it very quick, they have money in the bank and they go and grab that opportunity. So that's the money is required. The third to my mind is many times when they raise the cash, uh, it's quite an effort to go for raising the money and getting the money. So they don't want to make this effort quite frequently which impacts their valuation also. So if you keep on going to the market again and again for raising cash, it impacts the valuation very bad. Rather than have it now and then go after two years or three years, gives it a better valuation. Maybe that's another reason which the, the promotes. But cash in the bank boils a lot of let me tell you. And cash in a bank extravagant don't take care of how the business has to be run efficiently and effectively. And that's the downside of having the cash. Exactly. And I want to flip this whole issue on what we are seeing as certain very fast growth ventures which are turning sour with the founders leading into some headline exit or some other activities which are anti-corporate, anti-investor. We've had uh, so many such cases 
is in our Indian startup growth stage ecosystem. Uh, in fact, there was Sequoia Capital, which had some common such names, uh, had to publicly announce that they were going to start governance training for their founders and senior management, implementation of whistleblower policies, more independent board representation and asking for more dis disclosures and more rigorous adoption of internal audit and controls. I just wanted to understand when the going is good and the growth is good, are investors equally complicit in these cases along with rogue founders for the misconduct or did they turn the blind eye when they were doing the diligence before putting the money in the ventures? What is the case here and why is this happening time and again? I think the startup culture, if you look at startup culture in India, is a phenomenon of the last few years. Suddenly, a whole lot of people from has come up and then a lot of unicorns and within two or three years so they bust. Now, people have realized that it's fair enough the promoters had used to doing the business in certain way. But when you are playing with such a huge business, you're playing with such a huge cash and then you want to go to IPO in future, it is better to set systems and processes in place right up front. I think that's clear understanding that is coming and therefore now you say they are mirroring what is void, realistic. You have a corporate governance in play, you have a whistle blowing, you have an arrestment of women in place, then you have a nomination committee coming in, now you have audit committee coming in, which was not required because the nature of their businesses and, and, and the structure they are in, these themes are not required. But now, taking into account that they have grown so fast and are likely to grow fast and then they're going to be a unicorn or they are already a unicorn, then let's put in a structure in place for governance. And it's also important to do so now because media is very active. And, you know, the slightest thing that happens comes out in the media. And therefore, nobody wants to expose themselves and ensure that they put it in place. The third and the most important reason, I think, why these governance are getting in place because these startups are now looking for genuine independent directors who, when they come on the board from experienced companies, they start talking about related parties. They talk about audits passing through remuneration committee, talk some limits and other things on debts. And when you start speaking, it's a good thing that we have started this now. And I'm sure as we go along, most of the startups will go. They, they put this in place, private equity or to a joint way. And that is what a private startup can get. Put the process and system in place right in the day one if they want to be a unicorn. If they want to run as a partnership company as their own private enterprise, forget about it. Then you do whatever you want to do. But you want to be a unicorn. You want to raise money in the market. Put the process and system in place on day one. I wanted to pose a quick question here. You've been on several committees from the industry bodies. You've been working with banks as an independent and non-executive chairman. And you've seen a lot in your life right from an MNC like Pfizer. After retiring from Pfizer, you've gone through a lot. Obviously, startup culture in India is going to grow. It's not going to die down. Yeah, there will be ups and downs. There would be certain phases of up and down. But if you were to recommend to our regulators, our ROC, saying that startups are future listed entities, how do we start grooming them right into the regulatory framework so that they are well prepared to go through the IPO or merge with a, a listed company and follow proper growth and reporting and investment disclosure processes, which are very, very scant and arbit as defined by the investor before they go IPO. So do you think that we need certain guidelines and framework for such entities who are going to be the next future Reliance and Ambani's and Adani's? And Nowadays, there are uh, many associations, some very good of ones, which give training for uh, budding directors or those who want to be directors. 
So I was speaking to one of these sessions and uh, there were almost about uh, 20 people who wanted to become directors. And before I could actually start my speech, uh, they were so terrified because looking at the laws of this country and the liabilities you have as a director, all of them, I asked them, what is on the top of your head today? All of them said, we don't want to be a director. I said, why so? And they quoted me all the laws. And I said, look, that is where the challenge comes. You have not heard the positive thing of being a director and how you can shape and organize, how you can do the business and how you can participate towards the growth of this country. You're looking at laws and you're getting worried about. Then I said that what we need in association is that you start course for the completely the focus on entrepreneurs, the unicorns, their employees, and tell them what is governance all about and how you can strengthen your to put in place and how do you look at this. I think that was a fantastic idea. They grabbed it and they said, okay, now next session of ours will be only for the unicorns, upcoming unicorns on Instagram. So it's going to be more voluntary. But what is happening is the new enterprise, the new entrepreneurs I've seen most of them, they are actually started now talking same language because they have also read in the newspapers and they have seen experience. They don't want to fall into that. Bit. And they said, okay, let's, but they don't know how to go. Some of them said, where do we learn? What do we learn? How do we, if somebody can talk to them, the associations which get this training or they can catch hold of good independent directors, sit with them and they should associate it with such of independent directors as their coach and courses. I always said that put somebody on the job as your coach and counselor to help you in the process. And I think that investment is worthwhile for the address. Whether the regulations want to be put in compulsorily or guidelines is secondary. What is important, it should come within. And once it comes in within, I think we will have, we have a great opportunity. Entrepreneurs who are brilliant. The world will really see more unicorns in India. And I think this is just a little bit of phase where we have few things that went wrong. But as we move forward, I'm very, very confident. Most of the startups will have a lot of governance in place. And people like me and others who are in the independent direct are actually holding them. They need nurturing. You cannot overnight tell them that stop this, do this, and I'm sucking you because you did. You might have done this as a private enterprise, but you have to give them time to evolve. And therefore, the it's a nurturing phase. I always say nurture. I have done this nurturing even with matured listed company. What are we talking about startup? The same problem I've seen in matured listed companies where the governance was zero. But you can't say overnight, Baba, I will delist your company. No. Work with them. Talk to them outside the board meeting. Tell them what it is and what not. And explain to them. And I'm sure they are all listening. They're all listening. And I, I see a great future for a startup. Just for the benefit of audience, I just want to remind, we had Dr. Kandelwal who had come on our podcast in season two. He had a mention of, of a name of a person who had turned around one of the banks in terms of the processes and governance and who came from a non-banking sector and we are glad to have the same person talking about it on our podcast today and he's none other than Cable himself. So I must congratulate coming from a pharma and a non-financial services and banking background. There was a lot uh, he mentioned about you in our podcast. Cable, I want a personal manifestation about how did you actually transform from being a leader, a corporate leader, a board member and a leader from a pharma sector to actually go into banking sector and then now to startups and some of the leading unicorns. I would love to get what are your lessons that you have learned that common across the thread so that so many budding listeners on our podcast who want to probably emulate you could get these nuggets of wisdom today. Thank you very much and I should thank Mr. Kandilwal for his compliments. Though I am sure I don't deserve one. The banking was sort of, I deliberate after my retiring of myself. Choose which company I want to be on the board of. 
I didn't want it to be on board of companies per se. Though I was having my own pharma ventures. So I, as a conflict of ventures, I wanted to keep it away from pharma. This was where an opportunity came in the bank and I said, okay, why not? Uh, at the end of the day, what we need to understand is that at all level, we need to bring that leadership back in the areas of professionalizing the bank, in the areas of how processes are being managed, our system need to be put in place, our governance need to be put in place. And I said, whether it is bank or the organization, the principles remains all the same. And I had a very, I don't know, I always believe in trust people, you know, I trust the people. I like to work with the people. I didn't just enter the bank on the day one with nothing. I did my preparation about the bank. I actually sat through with all the business units of the bank to hunt the business of the bank and how the banks are run and what are the challenges they face and how they are facing challenges and what are their future plans and so on. So almost to spend the one month understanding the business. That is a key for any director. First, understand the business you're going to be on the board. If you don't understand the business, your remarks are all artificial and it doesn't make sense. And therefore, it is very critical to understand it. Second, I told the MD of the band, look, I am not competing for your post. I'm here to help and support you. And I think let's improve whatever that we can improve because it's going to benefit the bank and everybody else. So with that limited vision, I went into the bank and I think things changed. And I should give credit more to the people who were willing to change and ready to accept the change. A whole lot of things were there. Never before the banks had done things like what we did and in, 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 say in the Union Bank. And today I'm very, very proud from a very negative profits around about four years back. Today the bank is the most profitable bank. It has done one of the big mergers, seamless merger did it and it, it has it, it has bounced back and is on the highest digital track than any other bank. And in fact, they are marked a thousand crore piece to just spend on the digital initiative. So these are the changes that can happen. It can happen with your leadership. It can happen with your clear understanding that what changes you want to bring in and focus on those changes. You can't change everything, but what matters most you need to change. You should focus on that and change. And if you are able to do that with the people on the other side, I think you have done a great achievement. So it's only not in the banks. I've also moved into a very new startup uh, venture. Yeah. Yeah. So in the fintech line I've been. And the latest one is all the uh, new generation electric vehicles. So I'm a part of the board of an electric vehicle to just give an example to understand what is electric vehicle all about. And I did a course on electric vehicles, which was around about a one month full course. Wow. So this is where, and then there are many companies of mine where digital is becoming a big thing. So I undertook a lockdown, a digital course, completely understanding the digital environment, the digital landscape, and what does the leaders want to be digital. So also I went through a governance course during my lockdown. So I think a director has to always keep on what is the trend and what is necessary for the business you love. If your business needs automation and digitization, you better spend your money on understanding what is automation and digitization all about. And I think that's the learning I want to pass on to all directors. It's just not going to the meeting and coming back. It's reinventing yourself and learning yourself and then making a meaningful contact. I think that's the only my request to all of them is don't take this position. Once you're on a board, everything is over. It's learning starts from there. And that contribution, focus on that. And keep an eye on what's happening in competitors' field, in the environment, and bring that learning and interpret it and bring it on the board. That's where you're contest. So it's also glamorous to be on a board as an independent.
independent director and i want to talk about shift gears and talk about glamour in our startup founders some want to go on shark tank somebody want to do some other gig and obviously they are key man in their own startup so there is a risk about what their public profile as they expand themselves and what their venture and their investors require them to do and we have had some incidents in the past as well where some high profile celebrity founders have come into light because of their own need to show that they have reached certain level in public domain do you think there a reason why some of these startup co-founders founders crave for such celebrity status hey, why not you know everybody likes to be on media uh, but our uh, prime minister also gives them photo shoot opportunity na calls them in under startup india some of those guys and gives them enough time and it goes in media is that not enough don't they no, have I, need to focus on growth of their own ventures rather than focus on something else outside i think i think it's a very let's understand startups have achieved a lot and they is uh, they associate the organization with themselves so there is a need to talk about it and they are also in the phase of raising money so the visibility also becomes quite critical well when, when i was an md of pfizer and earlier there was this rule that an md of pfizer would not speak unless you know corporate affairs does this and and some issue is involved but i was a darling of those guys and i could speak uh, on the industry affairs and all i never went into very specific about pfizer but i spoke on industry all the time and i talked about changing uh, the environment all the time whether be ipr or on the pricing or on the quality or the clinical trials i was there even today if you will be surprised that the other day i did a one on on republic on on an issue on on pharma uh, but they called me because they know that i will give a genuine feedback that's where it your credibility is important. and what you speak there becomes important and how that is associated with your business i think that is where the conduct and is very critical that what do you speak how do you speak so that you create that right image of the and as long as you are building the image of the other there is no that and i my advice to all the startup is be very careful what you speak okay uh, don't fake it you actually actually live what you are in your vision and if you are presenting yourself or in front of the people then everybody is watching and therefore be careful what you speak how do you speak what do you speak because it's not your image it's the image of the organization which matters the most and you should align your image with the image of the organization once you align i think it's a great to be in the news great to talk about it and be as decent and modest as possible wrong with that talk about i agree with you but some of our research actually shows that some of the celebrity founders not just in india even in us and other places have a very short life in the public some of their actions or words have quickly led to a negative rub off on their ventures and their own brand although investors look at it from a key man risk for such founders and some of them could go rogue against the investors and the board the management of such founders actions and words in the media could have a negative perception for the investors as well as the venture now i'm sure there's no playbook here to say you know how do you protect the venture from such celebrity key man risk and the damage they may inflict on the venture but it's happened time and again and it has led to some very celebrity uh, exits not just in india but even in the us which is the silicon valley of and the mecca of startup how do we really contain or coach such founders 
from not making such statements or going overboard to gain some sort of a celebrity status and that's a very big risk that they inflict not just on themselves but also on the venture that they are leading absolutely right why are you in the press and media is is it because of your own image you want to be there or because you want to further the cause of your organization you have to be very clear on that if you are to further the cause of the organization you will do all the right things you want but if you are want to build your own image then there might be a conflict there will be a, and therefore you need to be very very careful why you are and if you are looking at only to building your image then you need to disassociate yourself with the organization otherwise there are how do we talk to the startups and or not i think in the initial stages when the private equity investors or the directors see these types of exposures maybe require a coaching and counseling to the startup and saying you know you're going overboard or this is not need to be done be careful what you're saying let's let's be within the boundaries let's don't have to speak more about the internal issues but you can speak about it about the industry issues the association issues all that needs to be talked about and i think any sensible man would take the right feedback and redo the entire thing uh, to align himself or herself with the organization most important is you are in media not for yourself but for the and i think that's very critical and that's or for the organization or for the industry or for the association or to bring about change in the landscape that's all fine but if you want to glorify yourself and talk about yourself all the time that creates a very negative let me make it say that upfront yeah and i want to just flip this whole thing there have been very very successful founders of ventures which are unicorn and they have limited themselves to although celebrity status in the media but limited their exposure to the media to a certain issue on the industry or to a certain issue on their company otherwise they have not gone on to a shark tank all sorts of events where it just shows the immaturity of the founder who does not and it does not reflect very well with the brand of the company or the on the venture that they are they are leading at this is something which basically is a key man risk then well i think this is two different thing i am a investor i have invested in a one unicorn but i am also investing personally in many many other ventures so if i participate in such types of meetings where i get an opportunity to invest in various uh, startups that's my personal interest and my personal investments i think that we need to completely dissociate with the organization my humble advice to people who participate in such uh, such types of uh, forum is a never take the name of your organization there one b never invest in the name of your organization because you don't have a board approval for that you're going on an intel don't commit for anything government completely dissociate your investment and the organization investment make it very clear up front that i am representing as as an individual x and i have in this case i am an investor x and not a promoter of the unicorn or whatever it is i think i have seen in this program where the entire money was coming from the organization as if the organization is supporting you on the platform to invest which has no approval it's the lack of governance completely absolute governance who give you the authority did you take the board approval to invest this no i think that's where it is critical to dissociate them but that doesn't mean you don't participate you can participate with types of disclaimer made up front very clearly and people do realize 
that he is there or she is there as an investor and not as a company investor but as an individual i think that's very clear. excellent just a final thing i wanted to know because some of these glamour seeking celebrity status seeking founders in their cases the investors were very quiet until the damage was done to their reputation and their investment why were these things not getting flagged or you don't get any early warning signal of this guy his celebrity status has gone in his head and you need to stop him and there are umpteen number of such examples in public domain as well how does investors and board members really need to understand what are these early warning signals of such people in whose heads this whole celebrity status has gone and then they have tend to ignore or override all the others because they believe now they are the sharuk khans of that startup whatever khan of their startup so i am not say that all celebrities uh, while it all gone and so i think i don't can't generalize on that basis really it's it's not fair you know how do we catch these early signals how do we put things in place i think you know during the lockdown we have seen most of these meetings took place through, uh, through virtual uh, yeah and and there was very little physical interaction taking place very little understanding what was happening and therefore i think it is more important that uh, every company should have a practice and process in place to have a physical dialogue with the promoters to sit down and understand what the business is how the business is running and it is in this meetings that you exchange a lot of things that you exchange formally or informally and give the right messages you know and the other thing important thing is that i said in earlier stages people become too complacent with what is happening the growth is happening performance is happening then we don't really focus on things on governance therefore it is very important that we start focusing the governance at the early stages and put the system in place whereby we know then exactly we will get feedback either from the audit committee or from the risk committee or you get it from the whistle blowing so you get all these feedbacks in early stages and then you can take corrective action so the lesson that is very clear have more physical interaction have maybe monthly management meetings with the startups very clearly and understanding how the business go go to the second line level and the third line level and have discussions with them and ask them to present so you know the culture have a feedback on the culture of the organization how many times we do a feedback on the culture of we don't even matured companies so start in the early stages getting the right feedback and when you have the feedback you know which way the culture is the organization and in the early stages you can shape the culture but once the culture is set up then you need surgery to really bring about change. Right. and therefore i would say spend time on which spend time training the people who are working for the startup spend time with the promoter and understand him coach him counsel him nurture him don't kill him killing is the last thing you should. and i think that's where it is important for all the independent directors and my friends private equity investor to work together to you know ensure that we don't and everybody succeeds in this okay, well there's a little bit a very negative things now coming against uh, glamorous founders you see an entrepreneur is always a frugal guy and jugadu guy and some of these guys who have gone on tv and talked the way they have talked uh, flamboyantly about whatever issues or whatever it definitely creates some sort of a dissonance on wannabe entrepreneurs as well as their employees and the key management who believes you know he's paying me peanut and giving me paper but over there he talks such big numbers and stuff like that it definitely create a duality in the minds of the people working with him as well as the wider ecosystem and which is not a great uh, thing to have in the startup ecosystem because most entrepreneurs learn from limitations of capital human resources and every other uh, inputs that are required to run a startup and there they talk so big it just create so much of glamour or oh, it's such a big thing isn't that not sending a wrong message to a generation of wannabe entrepreneurs and startup founders yeah a very good question i think uh, and therefore many of the times you see these startups give a lot of resources their 
second level, third level and all. Literally, you're trying to buy that, but that's not. You have to work. You have to walk the top. The promoter has to be aligned to the entire organization culture and he has to, he has to live that culture. If he wants to build a big company or go and have his, uh, his company listed in the market, I think this is very, very good. You may be a celebrity, but have to understand that the organization to align and with the align with the organization. So what is the purpose of the org? Are we all aligned with the purpose? Of That's very critical for an enterprise, for the entrepreneur to talk about. And the promoter has to work towards that. He cannot have a one image outside and another image inside. He cannot have disproportionate, you know, things for himself and very less for others. So these are the things which then, you know, it's very critical at, at the nomination remuneration committee or the private equity or who are the investor joint ventures to bring these facts on table and try to monitor this very post. Again, I said this is a culture issue and you need to set the culture right at the beginning before it fails the organization. Very, very important that the board gets involved in the culture. The board normally, you know, tries to shy away from doing something but need to be actively involved in the culture of the organization. Hiring of the people Retaining the people, talent development is, should be the top agenda of the board. Let me just flip to another issue coming from glamour to greed now. You see, it's come to light that some founders have taken very high leverage to invest into stocks and IPOs. And if those investments would have gone bad, those founders themselves would have gone bankrupt because of the high leverage. And once founders are bankrupt, they are neither eligible to be on the board of their own ventures and they can't even run into their own companies because they get barred. Could the board and the investors not look into the personal finances of such investi founders as well? Yeah, that's a very sensitive question really. First of all, a common principle should be followed in the board that pledging of shares should be part of the board discussion and therefore the founders pledging of shares which should be only allowed for the business purposes if it does provide. I don't, I'm not in favor of any promoter giving personal guarantee or any promoter pledging its shares. I think this is, your business has to stand on its own feet and not on these collaterals. I think that's, that should be made very, very clear and the board should be very clear on that part. Solvency of the promoter becomes very, and one of the important thing is that his shares in that company needs to be completely free of any pledge or any taken loan on that because that's that's where it becomes very critical but if he's insolvent otherwise then there is a risk of even these shares being sold off and the valuation may come down and up off now exactly. how do we monitor how do we monitor what is he investing in the market what type of shares his investment is going or it is coming down or is going up it's a very very difficult sense if his insolvency happens it's hard luck the board need to take care of that immediately and if it is impacting the valuation then the board needs to act fast problem is that we don't act to act fast in putting the governance in place, hiring the right person in the place, and always, as I say, keep a second line strong with under the promoter. If you have a second line strong on the promoter, these type of things can be immediately taken care of and, and you don't have to search for person outside. So these are the few things the board need to cushion itself, having a strong second line to take over in case something happens to the promoter. The company should not fall down with the promoter. The company should be stronger with or without. That's that's so, what my yeah. I mean, you is. know, these sort of side activities, doing personal investments or leveraging leverage-based investments by some of these, shouldn't these be looked at as a side venture and restricted at the time of the term sheet itself by investors themselves and monitored? Because this could lead to catastrophic effect of winding up their own investment in that company or the continuity of the founder 
founder or a business continuity issue itself. Yeah, as I said, you know, it may apply to the investors also. If somehow the private equity fails, then what happens? At least the money is no. in the bank, right? No, keep on monitoring the private equity investments globally, you know. There are so many PAs dramatically. So what happens? So it's very difficult, Kapil, to, you know, it should be both sides. It can't be one-sided because the investor also, the promoter also depends upon the investors sticking around. And if he has a problem, then the valuation of the company also goes down. We have seen that many times. So I think, I think it's it cuts cake both sides. And therefore, let's leave it there. What we need to monitor is secure the investment is not, uh, you know, pledged out. B, the internal investment, the organization. So ring fence B, the company or the investee organization. Absolutely and right. And, and B, keep a good line of people, second line, ready to. That's so uh, one quick thing which is coming out uh, very clearly in the media and what I'm reading is, you know, there are two types of founders now or entrepreneurs. One who punt and one who punt it comes or emerges out even uh, to the investors or even their co-founders themselves. Well, I think, I think, uh, you know, every investor has to realize that if he has invested in a company which wants to be a unicorn or increases valuation, if anything goes wrong with the company, his own valuation comes down. His or her valuation comes down. That's a simple fact. Correct. Why one should take a risk to kill one's own valuation? It's stupid. So that has to be very clear in his mind that look, I am I am investing in this and I am risking my capital also if I do anything. Important principle we should follow is maybe that's what the private equity says that he should be focusing only investment in this one company. Another company, no active role should be taken. Not allow him to take any active role in any other investment of his person as long as he's heading this company. The moment you allow that person to take active role in 10 other invest private investment then this challenge comes and therefore that could be part of a shareholders agreement that is only time would be on this company and only focus on this company. i think that's also is very very critical that he realizes that he may do a private investment but that's a passive he cannot actively participate in any other organization okay, well i want to talk about the graph and fraud that are happening by the founders and their close relatives family and friends i'm so shocked to see sometimes in media that the investors have gone against those founders and bought out some of these issues through independent third-party audit when they themselves have done an extensive due diligence before investing. And I'm sure these could have been conditions precedent as well. And how do you think that the investor act and the board actually overlooked such things and accommodated it and then bring it up at a later stage to sack the guy? Isn't this some sort of a what in our politics now is this and vendetta politics? I don't think so. Is this uh when data politics it's i think you know a lot of people invest on certain data certain facts that have been given to them it's a very young startup they do their due diligence and it's based on what has been presented to them on the facts and everything looks okay now in spite of that something may go wrong and always happens because the way the startups are they used to working as a their private field the private freedom and they don't realize how the governance are critical for the investors and therefore i think it's a process to start talking about governance at the early stage of start putting the things in place talk about related party trans understand and make them understand what is related party transaction and get a code of conduct in the organization place get the code signed get the related party transaction signed and you know we have been very very clear what have you been doing as an individual in the past i think clean it up completely and from now on let's start on a clean state i think that type of statements are very critical to start once you do that then the onus and responsibility and accountability is on the promoter and the entrepreneur he has been warned has been told that going forward everything and i think that's where the mess
message i would request all the the private equity firms and others rather than you know dig this after four years five years let's start the process up let's clear the things up front and start on a clean slate and then both understand each other's responsibility and work and then something goes wrong i think then uh, every board is in its right to take action there's no denial about it but not warning them not telling them and then taking actions one fine day i think that's too drastic therefore we need to put the process first in place having process in place people understand each other's role and then something goes wrong the board is in right wisdom to take action okay well i want your experience of having gone through a very strenuous and stressful time when dirty linen against the board members was being talked in media and allegations and counter allegations were being pressed against independent board members as well in one of the companies that you were a board member and obviously you were presenting independently not the investor side nor the promoter side but yet you were battered in that situation most independent board members would have just quit and said okay yeah, you guys handle on but you actually and i must say you were brave enough to continue in spite of such a bad publicity being made on personal grounds and what not against you how do you think you know such situations should be managed by an independent director rather than quitting so every, every job classes this is a great lessons uh, in uh, governance with, i would say <laughs> and comes with a lot of responsibility and accountability see running away from your own responsibility and accountability is easiest thing. all you have to do is just say i resign from the board and walk out that's the easy but to set up the organization in its right place put the governance in place is something that the role of an independent director independent director cannot run away from its response i was guided very clearly i spoke to some of my next independent directors in this country had a long chat with them and i said what do we do on this circumstances they said nothing doing you are an independent director you have a certain account responsibility and play that irrespective of what not and i'm very happy to say that now are absolutely in place and i don't think some media was uh, harsh on independent directors or they uh, blamed us for everything because we were very much much later uh, than the board was uh, but i think what is important is that we were able to put things right things are normal and i think that's the role of an independent director rather than you know running away from responsibility and saying oh my god when the heavens are falling i'm going to not be there I think that that's something that is a learning for independent director if you want to take credit of the performances successes and bonuses and commissions and fees then you should be also ready to take black face it face the challenge and work with board get that i think that's the only lesson that i have i am happy that we were on the limelight in the media mainly on various boards me there are other independent directors and we were you know the public figure for independent directors of many board companies i can tell you kapil that when the even today when the physical meetings there are shareholders who i know them for last almost about 40 years they will come and meet me with flowers and bouquets and shake hands and talk to me and then tell the board that you are lucky to have him as a board member and also that type of reputation also we have built up over a period of time and you cannot run away from that reputation you need to stay on and and see that you like there was a time okay something was wrong we take the responsibility and we correct it i think that's that's more important for me i just wanted to now conclude and there are few questions on the bharat pay angle as well I, I and i don't want to talk specifically on bharat pay but i wanted to understand no, I, 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 let's not talk any company in particular yeah, let's yeah. be general yeah so what happens when a a founder is ousted do you dispose of or do you buy back the shares of such founders i think founders? more shareholders i don't want to get into that this depend upon the shareholders how they 
the agreement is uh, put up and how they deal with each other, which has nothing to do with the board and the independent director. So I'll, I'll keep it outside. Sure. Thing I wanted to understand, you know, typically when I invest into a startup or any other investing companies, I look at uh, the communication and leadership style of our key man before investing. And I'm sure, mm. you know, these are certain measures or you also would be looking at when you are on the on the board or running the governance. How is the communication and leadership style? Mm. Can you help us? Because what you have gone through in certain cases definitely leads to actually writing a playbook here. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So good communication, good leader. Absolutely. If I were to bring those communication to leadership quadrants together, mm. what happens when bad communication, bad leadership? How do you turn that around very quickly to turn around the, the situation in any of the company top down from a governance point of view? See, any company, the information is a summit. You know, they will only give, the management will only give as much of information they want to talk about. Correct. It's 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 a duty of the directors to go beyond what is given to them. Ask questions where you think you need to have answers. It is only when you ask, go beyond what is below. I start asking questions that you get to know what much is the truth, what is hidden from you and what is not. Was it deliberately hidden or it has been just missed out? If the practices you follow that many times the same information or different formations are deliberate, then you know the credibility of the management and you clearly judge it and say that, look, this is not working. The board is not being informed of. And therefore, what is I will advise all the directors that go beyond what is asked. Just thing as you want to ask to clarify and get the right Put the system and process in place to get the information, what the board get on every board meeting. This is very, the management communicates to you or the leader, the promoter, or the attendee communicator. The way he talks to you also gives you an indication of his leadership, how he is with his people. I know in one of the companies where I saw we had asked uh, second unit guys to come and present, the MD kept on giving reasons one or the others why it didn't happen. And then when it happened, we found that, you know, the guy was all the time looking at the MD to respond clearly. So the skip level behavior itself indicated. Yeah, you have to observe very clearly. It clearly gave an indication that it's very well controlled. There is no openness. There is no transparency in the the leadership style has been functioned. And and everything comes as a different manner. So that's very dangerous. And therefore, I think this is the role of board to judge the conduct of promoter, the MD, on what he presents, how he presents, how he interacts in the board, and how he interacts with his own colleagues. Like, there are two levels of interaction with the board and the colleagues. Then he's speaking. I judge the people very, you know, on these bases. And then we have to then look at the culture of the organization. As I said, culture should be part of the board, the discussion all the time. And then say that, look, how do you want the culture to your organization to be? Where do you want the organization to go? That's that's very critical. And you are absolutely right. So how does the key communicate? What type of leadership traits are shown? What type of leadership qualities are exhibited? And how the leader behaves and he takes decision becomes good. It is his decision. So it's a decision of the business unit head. It's a forced decision. What is the way that all the... Okay, well, one last question and a very tricky one. All your what questions happens? have been... <laughs> I've learned a lot from working with you. What happens when there is conflict between two independent directors on a board. Wow, this is a tough. Have you yeah, ever come are... across this where one is hell-bent on a certain point of view and you are hell-bent on the other extreme and how do you actually manage that situation? So, we have seen one-upmanship and one board member to speak something, the other one will speak. The other, again, then we will contribute and all that, that happened in the discussion. I always feel that, you know, you speak when you have something worthwhile to speak or you want to clarify something or you want to add on to somebody what who has already said. Now, if two independent takes, independent directors take two 
different positions on certain issue. If it is a business issue or a strategy issue, it's very normal. There's nothing right. wrong with that. I may perceive one strategy to be looked at this way. The other independent directors would perceive to look at different way. I, I would think that certain matter which is placed to me is good to go. But the other independent director may feel that is not good. On those issues, I have no challenge. Absolutely, that should be a disagreement on that. And that's where the beauty is that we have a different views on, on any subject. But on issues of governance, if we have two different views, one feels that there should be no governance or there should be a governance and one will say that, you know, it's okay what is happening as long as the growth is happening and then I think there is a challenge. And therefore, it is important that the directors sit down and discuss that where, okay, where is the difference and what should be done to ensure what is interest of the org. At the end of the day, we all there for the stakeholders. And today, the stakeholders are not only the shareholders. The shareholders, the communities, the different other stakeholders, maybe vendors, maybe customers. So what is the interest of the organization and to serve the stakeholders? Independent director's responsibility is towards the stakeholders. And stakeholders are just not. And therefore, I think that's understanding if it is there. And they can always bridge the gap and, and take a right decision. But there has to be dialogue with them personally outside, not on the board. But if it is a business issue, strategy issue, no issue. So these are, would be unminited dialogues between two independent directors then? Absolutely. I mean, you can, you know, at the board level, where there are governance issue positioning, I think would become difficult. Sometimes it would be also necessary for the chairman to have a dialogue with both the independent directors and bring an alignment. And, uh, you know, that the role of the chairman also varies in circumstances. How does he see the situation? And what type of message he wants to give to them? I may believe in certain governance. The chairman also believes in German, whether the entire board believes in that. That is very essentially gauged. Thank you so much, Kable. We un- I'm afraid we could talk many more points on this podcast, but we have run out of time. And some of the wisdom that you have read is so fabulous on governance and your live experience across some of the startups that you have gone through. And on behalf of our sponsors and our and our listeners, I'd like to thank you for giving this time and talking to us. Thank you so much and look forward to having you again on our podcast show. Pleasure to talk to you. Wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you, Keval. Thank you, Keval.